Welcome back to another episode of Confessions from the Sidelines, and I'm your host, Sarah L. Cowart. I have another great episode for you today, but you know this podcast would not be possible if it wasn't for our sponsors. Check Study is one of my new favorite resources for students. Have you ever had those moments after class or after school when you sit down to do your homework or study for that test and you completely forget everything your professor or your teacher talked about in class? I know exactly how you feel. I wish when I was a student, we had had access to Check Study and Check Study Pack. Check Study is 24-7 homework help from algebra to calculus to physics to chemistry. You will have expert help and their monthly subscriptions start only at $14.95. But Check has been so kind to give all of our listeners $5 off their first month subscription. Head on over to Chegg.com slash study and enter the code study five, S-T-U-D-Y, the number five, for $5 off your first month subscription. Y'all know I love CB supplements. CB supplements is a multi-collagen protein powder, meaning it contains all five types of collagen from four animal sources. Not to mention, it's the first and only multi-collagen protein powder NSF certified for sport and supported by Dr. Kate. One thing I love about CV supplements is that it comes in unflavored and in three delicious flavors, chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry lemonade. You won't find a cleaner multi-collagen supplement out there. Head on over to cvsupplements.com and grab yours today. Be sure to enter the code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at checkout for $5 off. One of the things we talk about here on the show is that the journey to being a collegiate athlete is not an easy one. And it's not just about being the star athlete. There is so much more that goes into this process. And one of those things is nutrition. Today's guest is Lindsay Cortez. Lindsay is a sports dietitian, entrepreneur, and runner. Her mission is to help female athletes overcome disordered eating and use food as fuel to perform at their highest level. Lindsay received her bachelor's degree in dietetics from UMass Amherst while competing as a D1 track and field athlete. She went on to get a master's in sports nutrition at Florida State University while completing requirements to become a board-certified dietitian. She has worked as a sports dietitian for collegiate athletes at schools, including the University of Georgia, Florida State University, and the University of Texas, San Antonio. Lindsay is the host of the Female Athlete Nutrition Podcast, founder of the Female Athlete System of Transformation, her unique coaching programs to help female athletes become fierce, fit, and fueled. Here's my conversation with Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. How are you today? I'm good, Sarah. Thanks for having me with you. Yes, I am so excited for us to have a conversation today about all things nutrition. Yeah, well, I'm your girl for that. You sure are. And, (laughs) you know, and that's what I love about what you do. And so I'm going to have you tell our listeners just a little bit about how you got into what you do and actually how do you help student athletes? Sure. So I am a registered dietitian and a certified specialist in sports dietetics. So sports dietitian for short. Um, I have worked many, many years at the collegiate level, um, employed by a couple of different universities, Florida State University, University of Georgia, University of Texas at San Antonio. Um, and I've always worked, you know, with nutrition, but for athletes and thinking about how to fuel for better performance. Um, currently I own my own business. So I do work with a lot of college athletes, but I also work with a lot of high school athletes Mm -hmm. and some adult athletes as well. Um, and what I do in my own business, Sarah, is I actually specialize in helping female athletes, um, specifically. And within female athlete nutrition, there is a lot of 
disordered eating, eating disorders, under fueling, um, issues with menstrual cycles. So the, that's kind of like my specialty. I always say that I help female athletes overcome disordered eating and use food as fuel to perform their very best. And so to summarize and answer your question, how do I help student athletes? It's like, well, if we're addressing the the nutrition, whether they're a student athlete in high school or in college, you know, we're helping them be better athletes, be better people and set themselves up for success. Yeah. And I love that so much because we all know in this industry of high school athletics, college athletics, food and nutrition is one of the number one things that these athletes struggle with. Yeah. I think, uh, food, nutrition, like mental health and academics, right? Like, right, like right. most athletes have the athletic part down. It's everything else. Um, in high school, we struggle because that's the time where we're just kind of becoming aware of nutrition. So there's, which is, you know, there, it's an interesting time because in one sense, it's a time where you can finally learn nutrition and have it help you. But in another sense, we also have a lot of factors and forces that might be influencing us maybe in not so good way. That's where we become very body aware, body conscious, maybe diet aware when we're in high school. So that can lead us astray. And so we definitely have that concern in high school of just lack of knowledge, or are we getting the wrong knowledge? Mm. And then in college, we have the issues of nutrition of, oh my gosh, I have to feed myself, eat on my own, make my own decisions, do my own grocery shopping, or you're at the the hands of a dining hall, which could be great or could be terrible. Um, you could have buffet style, you could have, you know, which has its own issues. You could have a dining hall that like every swipe or point or dollar matters. And then you're afraid to spend money. And there, you know, there's just so many variables in college and your schedule fuel timing. So, you know, that student athlete in college, we really struggle with nutrition on so many different levels too. And I want to go back to something you actually mentioned a two words together. And as we're talking about learning about nutrition for high school athletes, moving to that collegiate timeframe, I have seen a lot of athletes in particular, female athletes struggle with disordered eating. Now that's backwards than what most people hear. Most people think about like eating disorders, but Mm -hmm. that, but they're not one and the same. And so I want you to kind of talk about that a little bit. So our listeners can kind of understand when we use those terms and we think about what these student athletes are going through, how can we better educate them in both of these senses? Yeah. And, you know, I think I'll start by saying that both are really important to address both are serious, Mm -hmm. um, and both require getting help. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in, in a clinical sense and an eating disorder is something that is, is more clinical. And like we have, you know, there are certain diagnostic materials too. Um, and, and with that, one of the diagnostic, um, criteria for an eating disorder is actually classified as a a mental health disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, so, So in one sense, you can almost think, well, an eating disorder is maybe I've got air quotes around this, but like maybe more severe, right? Um, but we still see it happening in athletics because there is a myth that like, you can't have an eating disorder and be an athlete. And it's like, Oh yes, you can, because it might present itself differently. You're not going to be a good athlete, but (laughs) you might still be able to hide it or it might present itself differently. You know, like I think you know, if some people hear that word eating disorder and they're just thinking of somebody who's very sick and in a hospital, like, yes, that, that is real, but it's also somebody who's, you know, still actively playing and that maybe they shouldn't be, but, um, but they can be. So, so, you know, there is a difference in diagnostic, Mm -hmm. um, and severity. What are the metabolic and psychological consequences of an eating disorder? 
But with that said, there's still a lot of people with disordered eating, right? right. Just kind of flipping those words, yeah. which means our eating, it's still not something that is um, normal or optimized. And we might be having some issues. Like we have low energy. Yep. No, maybe we're not starving ourselves, but we have very low energy and we're getting hangry all the time. We have um, weird habits around food of what we will and will not allow ourselves to eat or on what day or at what time that doesn't make nutrition easy and normalized. So this disordered eating um, can still really disrupt somebody's life, their social life, their relationship, their sport performance. It can still be very, very disruptive. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we need to talk about because I think we want parents and coaches and, you know, family members to really be aware of these certain things that happen because, you know, that disordered eating could lead somebody down into having a clinical eating disorder, but it all comes back to the baseline of how does nutrition impact our athletes, especially those who want to play at the collegiate level. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that, that, you know, the thing with disordered eating is it could lead to an eating Mm -hmm. disorder. Oh my goodness. What's the saying? If I had a nickel for every time, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that one of my clients said like, well, it all started like innocently. I was just trying to be healthy or I, you know, I just heard that I shouldn't overeat carbs. And so I started reducing carbs. Like it can all start so innocently and it can really disguise itself as being healthy. And it can really in sport disguise itself as being what an athlete should do, Mm. you know, like, Oh, I'm just going to cut out sweets for my performance. And it's like, okay, that sounds like a decent like thing. Like, yeah, maybe I don't need that much ice cream. And then, but it, you know, these are just things to be cautious of and pick up on or really challenge or dig deeper. Like, do you need to cut out that? Are you having any issues or do you right. just like, you know, is that you like, like the what's, ice cream and you're performing great. So what's the problem? Yeah. What's the switch that like makes you have that thought. And I think that's what I love when you talked about it is like, this is all intertwined with mental health. And yeah. we talk a lot about that on the show, just how, because it really does impact an athlete's performance level. It does. Absolutely. And so, so why is this so important too? Because if, you know, one nutrition can help you be a better athlete to help you, you know, run faster, recover stronger, you know, adapt to your training better, have more energy, build stronger muscles. Like, so, so nutrition is something that can help you. But when we also tie it into mental health, it's like, if we are over concerned about nutrition, mm-hmm. if we're overstressing it, if we're, um, spending too much time calorie counting and not focusing on our game, if we're spending too much time being concerned about how we look on the field or on the court and not how we're playing, yeah, then you're not being the best athlete you can be either because nutrition is taking, you know, your mental space, right? Supposed to be something that helps you physically, but if it's taking away from you mentally, uh, you're not being the best athlete you can be. Mm. And, you know, those are the conversations that I think sometimes we shy away from because these, these actions, if you will, of someone's disordered eating and the habits that they start to build again, it manifests itself as it's actually, Oh, this is what athletes do. Yeah. Or this is what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are some things? And I, and I'm thinking from, you know, parents who are listening, how they can get involved with their student as they're kind of going through this, because 
I can almost imagine, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but if that really starts at a younger age at that, you know, ninth, 10th grade level, how does that really impact them long-term? What, like, yeah. what are those things that they're experiencing that they might not reach their highest potential athletically because they're not feeling properly? Yeah. Well, you know, and it's interesting to try and give advice to parents because like we said, that starts young, probably most parents can relate to some of this themselves, or maybe parents haven't figured out this whole nutrition thing themselves either. So, um, especially if we're thinking about the current student athlete population of high school or college now, you know, their parents are in their, what, mid forties and fifties. Am I doing my best right? Yeah, Um, it could be. Yeah. And they were people exposed to the big diet boom of the 80s and 90s and Atkins and South Beach and only eat one egg a day type of messaging because of cholesterol, which is like so disproven now. Yeah. I really apologize for my dogs making noise in the background, by the way. Um, they woke up right when we started this conversation. <laughs> it's okay. So, so to get back to, you know, our parents, you know, what, what can they do? I think one of the very first things that a parent can do is actually, you know, just take a deeper look at themselves. And I'm not saying that every parent has, has problems, but just start being cautious of your own language or your own messaging or your own actions yes. around food. Um, I think that's really important because it's going to be really hard for you to, you know, encourage or sway or teach your high school or college um, child how to fuel if if you're not necessarily doing it right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you have to, you know, whereas parents, like, you know, you can't be the picture perfect model for everything, but to, to at least say like, you know what, I might not be doing it right, but Stacy, like you're an athlete, you know, you're 17, you've got different needs than me. And I think it would be important if, you know, if you did put more carbs on your plate, you know, I'm doing something differently for my own reasons, but you know, this is what I think for you. And so just, I think recognizing differences too is really important. So just being, being cautious of your own messaging and behaviors, um, and then recognizing that your child's needs might be very, very different than yours. Get help. If you don't know what the heck to do. I mean, that's why I'm here, right? right. That's why yeah. dietitians available is, is to get help. I just started working with a young, um, 13 year old the other week. And it's like, her parents are just like, like we know nutrition for us, but we don't <sighs> swim as much as she swims. Like right. I don't know what she needs. And maybe I'm not buying all the stuff in the house that she needs. And so, you know, just getting a sports dietitian to work with can, can help you with that. And you know what, that's one less thing on your plate as a parent. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And I love that so much as you're talking about it, because, you know, we, we always say like, get help. If you're like, want to take your speed a little faster, you're going to do some strength training. You have a coach. Every athlete has a coach that walks them through the specific things they need to do to become a better athlete. A lot of times, and we do this academically too, is we don't put academics, mental health, nutrition. We don't put that in the category of also needing a coach. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, knowing that that's something that you're able to do is because you're able to really like dive deep into these student athletes lives because, you know, bio individuality is such a big thing. What, you know, Stacy on the swim team needs is going to be totally different than say, you know, Sarah on the soccer team. And, and we've got to nail down, you know, how they process food, what's, what that looks like for them and also their environment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I love about having parents involved in saying, Mm -hmm. look, I, 
my life may look a little different right now, but my needs are also different. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that's, what's really cool about, you know, I, and I offer a few different ways that I can work with clients. Um, but you know, it, it does come down to, I think, you know, individualizing teaching is very important. There's yeah. so much just misinformation about nutrition on the media and social media and kids are student athletes are on social media a lot. So they're getting a lot of bad nutrition information. And so just countering that providing correct education, right? So we don't get that in school either. Like maybe you, you get like, you know, cooking class or like health education, but like, you're really not getting nutrition in school. Right. Um, unless you major in it in college. Um, so yeah, like the education is a big piece. And then it's that coach to say, okay, you've, you've got a game this weekend. How are you feeling prepared? Where is it? Are you traveling? What time is the game at? What time is the race? Okay. So we need to eat a meal at this time. Like you need, what, what do you want to eat? Like let's talk mm-hmm. about it now. And just kind of coaching through that. Um, yeah. Meal timing can be so important for athletes. Can be is so important for athletes too. So that's why I think the coaching aspects, like education, goes a long, long way. But having an actually somebody to really like guide you through game to game or season to season is just a really nice feature. Yeah, yeah. And I go back to my own experience. You know, I <laughs> my friend and I who played high school soccer together, we joke about this all the time. Is that like we didn't really know much about nutrition. You know, I'd grab a Pop-Tart on the way out the door and be like, oh, this will be okay. Like, we'll figure it yeah. out. But then, you know, you get to that moment, you're so depleted and you don't have the energy. Like you're talking about like that energy level because, you know, that food is fuel. Mm-hmm. And, but I also think about, you know, as I walk through my experience of seeing my teammates, some of them would be able to eat 30 minutes before a game and be totally fine. Yeah. I, on the other hand, I needed a good three hours. Like I was like, I can't eat anything three hours prior to, because you know, who knows what it was, but there was just something where I was like, I'm going to be sick. Like, it's just how yeah. it is. You know, di- your digestive system works so different than everybody else's. And I think that's a good point that you brought up is saying like, we don't really plan for that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's certain sports too, like, or you have tournaments or like track. I do work with a lot of track athletes and it's like a track meet. Like you, you think you're going to run at noon. Who knows when you're going right, to run right. like, your day and tournament weekends and stuff like that. Like it gets so screwed up. So really understanding, like how to fuel myself for this entire day. That's going to work for my body. Um, you know, that I can digest it. It's going to sit well, you know, so, so that actual like performance fueling, I think is really day to day fueling for every day and for training is super important. And then the actual, like for the game, for the match, um, yeah. it's, I don't know, that's always fun to figure out. Right. And so what are some things I'm thinking of parents and students that are listening and they're thinking, yes, this makes sense. I need to do something, but they don't know what to do. They don't know the next right step. What are some resources or do you know, do you have anything that we can share with our audience so that they can see like, here's kind of the first step I need to look at? Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly, you know, I'll share my website, which is riseupnutritionrun.com, uh, which doesn't mean I only work with runners. It's just the acronym, Rise Up Nutrition, R-U-N. So <laughs> riseupnutritionrun.com. And I do have some blogs and some free resources on there too. Some like free sample meal plans. And I'm not saying that that's going to be perfect and individualized for you, but it could be a decent starting point. Um, I'm also a, a member of an organization that's called uh, CPSDA, the Collegiate and Professional Sports Dietetic Association. And I want to give them a shout out for a moment, because if you give, go to their website, which is sportsrd.org, mm-hmm. 
they're an organization for sports dietitians, but they do have free resources and handouts um, for student athletes or for parents. I mean, they have a handout on like specifically nutrition for soccer players and nutrition for volleyball players and, uh, nutrition for recovery. And they have a handout on fueling on the go and while traveling, you know, and on an airplane and stuff like that. So they have some really great handouts that are free that you can download on their website. So that's sportsrd.org. Um, so that's as far as like kind of I think both of those resources, my own and this organization for education is good. And then of course the next step is, you know, reaching out for personalized or individualized help. Um, you know, there's many sports dietitians out there. You yeah. do, I do want to recommend looking for a sports RD, mm-hmm. RD for registered dietitian. Um, some people might go by the name of nutritionist. Sometimes I call myself a nutritionist, but just to be clear, like I do have those credentials behind my name yeah. because the word nutritionist isn't actually something that's regulated. And that's why there are so many nutrition coaches, health coaches, and you want to make sure they are an RD, a registered dietitian. Um, and if you can go that further step to say sports RD, you're really going to get what you're looking for to play at a high level. You know, um, there are certainly some great dietitians out there that aren't sports dietitians who can help somebody, you know, fuel for their first couch to 5k. But I do want to say once you're playing at a high level and training 10, 20 hours a week or more, yeah. like, you want that sport 30. Um, yeah. so that's one of the things that I help with for sure. And we'll be sure to include all of those links in the show notes with some really great resources for parents and students to download. Cause you know, a lot of times it's taking that first step and you know, when we don't know where to take that first step, we kind of are just like walking aimlessly around saying, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not really sure. So having just yeah. a little bit of guidance will certainly help, especially for our parents who are supporting our student athletes as they really focus and hone in on their nutrition game. Mm-hmm. And one more thing I do want to add, Sarah, is that at the collegiate level, um, not every college has a sports dietitian. Mm-hmm. In fact, most don't. Most right. do not. Uh, your big, your big schools, your Power Five universities um, should have them by now. Uh, like I said, I worked at Florida State and I worked at the University of Georgia, so right. you know they have big nutrition departments. And if you're on a recruiting visit, you can a- ask about that. Definitely ask about that. Do you have a dietitian on staff? Um, the universities that might not have a sports dietitian might still have a dietitian as far as like university health center. Sure. Um, so that's still something important to know. I know when I went to college and I was a student athlete, we did not have a sports dietitian or a nutrition department with athletics, but we did have somebody that we could consult with. Um, she was a campus dietitian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, that was important just to have that as a resource, have that as an option. Um, and that might play a role in your decision-making, especially if you're somebody who in high school, you know, I'm going to speak to clients I work with that know that they have disordered eating or eating disorders. Like you're going to want that support yes, to follow you throughout. And of course you can, you know, hire people like me on your own terms right. and you don't have to do anything associated with the university, but it is nice to have that support through the university and that sports medicine department. Yes. I, and that is such great advice. We talk a lot about what to look for on a visit. Who do we need to talk to? What questions do we ask? And that's a question we definitely want to have conversations with the coaches and the coaching staff about is how is the nutrition supported? And it might be, you know, like Lindsay was saying, like it might be someone 
in the, you know, sports science department who is a nutritionist, but maybe they're not hired directly through athletics, especially for our smaller institutions. So really diving deep into this and having these conversations is wonderful so that you know kind of what you're up against as you move to the next level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, in addition to my, my own business, I, I do some contracting with a local university right now and it's, you know, I'm not hired full time, but if there's any student athlete that needs me, I'm, I'm there for them. I'll hop on the phone with them, zoom with them, text with them. Um, I'm only saying that because of COVID normally I'd be on campus in right. person, which I will be again next year. Um, but, and the coaches too, the coaches reach out to me for, to say, you know what, I th- you know, our team isn't doing so hot right now. Yeah. Can you come in and talk to us and I'll go in and talk to them. So just knowing that your, your university might have that resource is important. Uh, that is so, so valuable. And Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. As we wrap up our conversation, you know, the podcast is called Confessions from the Sidelines. So yeah. I would love to know, what is your favorite memory from standing on the sidelines? Okay. So I'm sure I have so, so many. And like, you know, I, I played soccer when I was younger. I stopped in high school and, and transitioned to other sports. And I, I'm sure I have a lot from that. But in high school and college, um, I was a, I was a track athlete, right? Yeah. So the, the sidelines thing, I was really thinking about it. Cause I'm like, wow, I had a track meet, like there's so much going on. It's right. all day. There's all these different events to watch. And I had this memory pop in my head, which is hilarious <laughs> and awful. Uh, I was at the time I was a sprinter, even though I'm a distance runner now, I was a sprinter. I did 400 hurdles, pole vault, 400 meters. And so when the distance events came on a track and you're running a 5k on a track, 400 meters and you have to run three miles. I mean, I, I should know this. How many laps is it? 20 something laps. It's, it's a ridiculous number. So a sprinters would be, would help count the laps for these poor girls who are just running, you know, <laughs> or the 10 K. Oh, it was the 10 K. I got it wrong. Oh it was the 10 K. It was six mile rates on the track. Oh. Um, so these poor girls are taking, you know, 35, 40 minutes, like the whole meet is slow down and, and we're counting numbers and, and we're bored and we're, <sighs> you know, checking off like how many laps. And then, and then we're thinking, well, she's right behind the other girl. And then we get distracted and we chit chat. And then we're like, wait, somebody passed. Wait, who? who no. And I just remember this one meet that I was like this poor girl's laps. I was counting. I was like, I don't, I don't know if (laughs) laps, right. I don't know if she finished a lap early or if I made her run an extra lap, but there was a, there was one meet in particular where I was not a good lap counter. And this is my confession. (laughs) Oh, wow. I, and hopefully she didn't have to run further than necessary. (laughs) I hope so too. Hopefully I had her run one less lap. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's, I, I can't imagine doing that. I know that there's, those athletes are born to do that. So. Yeah. Oh, racing a 10 K is, is great, but on a track. On a track. Totally different. Yeah, totally yeah. different. And then the people counting the laps, getting confused, doing their little tick marks on their pen and paper, pen and paper pad. It's like, you can't get distracted on the sidelines. Oh, you cannot. And I, I think that is the perfect way to end our conversation yeah. as we move forward, because and distractions are everywhere. And that comes down to nutrition, your mental health, and even your athletic game. So making sure that we have everything where we need to have it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you again, Lindsay, and we will see you soon. What a great conversation with Lindsay. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you are looking for those free nutrition resources, don't forget to check out the links in the show notes and be sure to share this show with your favorite student athletes. And as always, 
I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines.